0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Tech Two Tuesdays. I am your host, Ian, and with me today again is Ryan. Welcome again. Good morning to the show. Um, we're gonna go through a lot of AI topics today, but I also got a good amount of listener emails uh, that I wanted to go through. <clears throat> some really good questions. Um, some kind of unique scenarios that uh, I'm kind of hoping are applicable to a larger a larger audience. One of them, one of the ones I I got that I really liked was, uh, it's from Anna. Anna says, uh, for the tech guys, I work for an 83-year-old woman who was once affluent at the computer, but in the last decade has progressed at such a rate that she doesn't uh, comprehend some of the things I try to educate her on. Which, obviously, you know, being, I think, in your 80s, or even, God, in your 30s. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's there's like there's things that it's hard to keep up with everything so regardless of your age sometimes it's, it's difficult to keep up with things but obviously if cognitively you're starting to slow a little bit clearly some of the things uh, that we try to educate people on which are very nuanced in, in their details uh, can be more challenging it doesn't
1: help that these kinds of things evolve so frequently
0: Yeah. Yeah. So quick. Um, so she says she's the perfect target for a scam or for, for scam sites, uh, with their attractive or deceptive ads, uh, the ones with the tiniest of close buttons on the sponsored labels. Um, my question is, do you have a website recommendation that she can go to and search the legitimacy of a company, uh, in an ad before she clicks on it? So specifically, she's looking for the legitimacy of a company that comes up in an ad before she clicks on it. Okay. That's fair. Um, she's a frequent online shopper and more than once she's been scammed. So I would really appreciate help on giving her a way to feel like she can be safely independent or at least somewhat uh, in what she's doing in her online buying. And thanks guys for your help uh, for anything that we can we can help with. Uh, so this is a challenging one because um, again, that, that, that cognitive uh, component of this makes it difficult because if we're just talking to one of our coworkers about something that we saw that's like, "Oh hey, watch out for this new thing um, It clicks I think maybe a little bit easier for us we're in the industry uh, we kind of we have a better
1: idea of what things people are trying to do to get get one over on us well that and one, one of the specific details she mentioned was was vetting things that she sees in ads i I think that it's the case maybe it's more for people who are are more technically adept or who are constantly looking out for those scams that generally speaking, we won't see those ads in the first place, Right. or if we do, we're not interested in what they have to say, we we know what we're looking for, or if there is something that we're interested in, we'll just go out and find it, instead of relying on being advertised things that. Well, know. yeah, it sounds like she's looking for,
0: I mean, she said she's an online shopper, so it sounds like a big part of this is like buying products online. Um, So there's a few things here. Let's just start with some of the low-hanging fruit, which is services. Um, Like if you're looking for a computer repair company, Tech2U has ads that show up on Google. Um, Depending on the pop-up blocker that you have, and not all of them, it might block sponsored ads in Google. Mm. Microblock, the one that we recommend, often doesn't now. Um, It depends on the search, and it depends on where you're doing the search at. Uh, So it's hit or miss on how you'll see sponsored ads, depending on where you're doing the search from. But let's, yeah, just start with service industries. Um, I think one of the easiest things to do if you're looking for a service, like you're looking for, uh, you know, a a garage door company or whatever, and you you Google it and you find um, a bunch of sponsored results and one of them is a local company. With a local address, with a local phone number, right. it's usually a pretty good indicator. Just from that, that they have a local address, they have a local listing, they show up in Google Maps with a place, not um, a home, not a home, and that's an easy thing to check. Is right. like see if this is a storefront that you could walk into. Um, another one though is the Better Business Bureau. It's been around forever, and a lot of people discredit it as far as a, a legitimate source of of useful information anymore. Um, like obviously we the, the, we've gone away from the phone book. Um, And and sadly, I think BBB is, is, is not getting the same attention that it used to, but it is really a great way to accredit a business. Tech to use an accredited business with a BBB. We have to pay them, which is one of the reasons why a a lot of businesses don't. Um, But part of our paying them is that they verify our legitimacy uh, uh, as a business. Um, So they're saying like, Hey, we verified this, this business is, is licensed to do what they do. They have, in in our case, it's called a, a Bureau of Electronics. Oh no, they've changed it now. It's like, a license for performing electronics repairs. Oh, the in your thing home. That you speak,
1: the, the bear certificate. Yeah,
0: or yeah, it's a good thing. I don't call it bear anymore. Um, but anyway, yeah, we have like license numbers for every one of our stores. And so anyway, BBB does those checks. Right. So for service industry, that's a good way to go see if they're accredited. Um, it's another place you could look for reviews too. For yeah, a business I was going to say, I
1: think the thing that people got. Kind of burnt out on with BBB was the the reviews or the ratings portion of it, but right. outside of that, the accreditation part verifying their legitimate business, it's perfectly useful. For yeah, that.
0: It's, it's funny because as everybody knows, we're very anti Yelp and the in the way that they run their business, especially I mean when it specifically when it comes to filtering five star reviews if right. you're paying for ads. Um, so to give some context how, to that,
1: how the algorithm only filters your ads when you're not paying. Right.
0: Them. So besides besides that, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> besides that, BBB is actually a pretty decent. Decent source for legitimate reviews too. Right. I mean, there it, there can be people writing reviews that are that are not great representations of your business right. that are false, but the Better Business Bureau representatives that you pay for as a business typically give you a little bit of of um, ability to at least communicate with them and say, you know, this is false. So anyway. To, to move away from that is a little bit faster, um, if you're looking for businesses, legitimacy, um, local listings, local storefronts, checking BBB, those are good. Online ads for products is a lot harder. Um, right. Now, there's two layers to this. One of them is going to just any website on the internet to buy something. A great example, Wish.com. I, as far as I know, they're still around. Yep. Um, and they have a notoriously bad reputation for not shipping you the product that you purchased or just straight up stealing from you the in quality some cases. Is
1: just bad. I, I ordered from them one time when we were still back in the back of the house shop. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get the product f- for four months or something. and it was it was at Brad's recommendation. He yeah. told me about the website and uh, you know I emailed their customer service a couple of times and you know finally they were just like, you could request a refund. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, fine. Okay. Request a refund, and I never, I never went back to that website.
0: So, Amazon is, um, you know, for, for for better or for worse, they are the the source of online product sales. And one of the things I can make a suggestion on is if you're buying products and you're buying from Amazon, we talked about this before. Looking for that fulfilled by Amazon uh, on the ad, it'll tell you uh, who is actually selling right. the product. That's a good thing to see because it usually means that the warranties are going to be easier. Um, but when it comes to any website, any old website, you're looking for uh, new quilting supplies and there's uh quilting supplies for com. I mean, Generally, uh, you know, we always go back to that. If it seems like too good of a deal, uh, it, it probably is. But then again, if you're not the type of person to a, to do a lot of online shopping, you might not know the difference between a good deal and a regular deal online versus what is what is likely a scam. Um, the best thing I can say is that if you find an online business, you know, make it a little bit more legitimate. Um, you know, Aaron Brothers Quilting Supplies. Like, okay, that sounds like it could be a real right. business. Maybe it's maybe it's in the U.S going to their website and scrolling down to the bottom, usually every website has what's called a footer. And in the footer, you'll see things like their contact page. You might find an about us. You might find license information (coughs) depending on the type of service that they provide or what's what they sell. Um, You'll see like basic copyright information. One of the things I always say to look out for, if you're looking for the legitimacy of a website is find where their contact information is like when, If something does go wrong with a product that you purchased, what are the hoops you're going to have to go through to work with them?
1: Well, so I've always – my favorite is with uh, the fake scammers that try to identify themselves as a legitimate computer company and help people online or say they're a Microsoft partner. Nine times out of ten, when I've scrolled to the bottom of their site where they've got their contact us or about us, they've got a picture of their – headquarters Mm -hmm. you know on google maps and it's somewhere overseas right not not anywhere near where they listed or claimed to be from
0: yeah so you know there's obviously there's the benefit of buying local or buying at least in the u.s um i'm always a fan of if you can you can buy local great um but yeah i mean to, to answer your question the best i can it is very challenging it's a very difficult thing to overcome all of the fake ads that are out there the sponsored ads sponsored ads aren't necessarily inherently bad it's just a matter of what that website is that you that you land on so verifying legitimacy You can still do this with websites. BBB is not a bad place to check. It doesn't mean that they're going to be on there, but if they are and they're accredited and they have a good rating, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Yeah. Um, And and then if you're on that website and you really can't find anything else about them, simply checking where they're based out of, like finding that contact page. If the business is doing its best to hide how to contact them or they don't have a phone number for support, it's usually a good indicator that they're not going to be great to work with. Right. Um, We we make our phone number very apparent. Places that I buy electronic from make their customer support um very very easy newegg.com is a place we go to to buy stuff you can reach them yeah 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 right well so there's uh, if we buy on amazon for example it's kind of easy because we can just message them and say this is a a problem but uh, often if like if we're buying from newegg or what used to be another company called tiger direct they're now defunct um they had ways to actually contact them you know they're 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 based in the us for most of their distribution they were getting some some heat earlier this year. i know i know yeah Yeah. and uh, you you never know how things are going to change but most people's experiences are still good yeah um and so yeah best i can say is uh find contact information and and if you really want to i mean assuming i'm 83 and retired maybe i'll even take the time to make a phone call uh, to this company just to see if they even answered the phone. Like, is this a real phone number? But yeah, checking for contact information, local listings are always a good thing to, to look for. Um, so diving into some of our topics today, we got a lot of AI stuff to talk about. Uh, one of them is a, a Google tool um, relative to this first email. Google has um, been challenged in recent years with overcoming scams in ads and and predominantly from my industry, from from computer repair. And what happens is if you search, like, let's say, for example, you're in Reno and you search computer repair Reno, somebody who has a business, you know, quote unquote business based out of India or Thailand or wherever can pay Google for ads to show up as computer repair in Reno. And then you call what you think is a local company. They purchase a local number. Um, They have a website. It looks kind of legitimate in some cases. Um, And then, you know, they they scam you. Obviously that's kind of their whole thing is to get on your computer and you're calling because it's running slow. So they say, well, you know, it's gonna be this much money and we'll put you on this plan. And they don't actually fix anything. In most cases, they'll make things worse. Uh, and then they'll charge you a ton of money. I, I've talked about this in prior episodes, people who have fallen for these, these, these traps. So Google is trying to make it easier for companies like us to legitimize ourselves with Google. So for example, with plumbers, they made them give license information in order to, in order to run their ads. Um, they haven't done that yet with the computer repair industry, and it's very frustrating for us because it's challenging for us to run Google ads as a result of their regulations. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't run them. There are there are not real competitors of ours, but you know um, scam artists that are uh, competing in the same space for computer repair um, and that are just scamming people, and and they're coming up with with these uh, with these ads. So Google is using a new tool. It's going to start with with email. I think is where it's going to hit the public first. Right now, it's it's um, it's open source software, which basically means anybody can see how it works. Anybody can can contribute to it in a, in, a, in a positive way. And then there's this sort of group of people who oversee the code, <clears throat> excuse me, the code of this software and how it operates, uh, what it does to, to kind of you know um, verify the legitimacy of how it works as it's being developed. Uh, open source, source software is very common. There's operating systems that are open source. There's a lot of open source things out there. Um, but this one in particular called I'm not even going to try to, like, I don't know if they came up with this name because it's RETVEC. It's R-E-T-V-E-C, Resilient and Efficient Text Vectorizer, which sounds like the nerdiest name ever. I mean, like, as a nerd, I feel like they went a little too far on that one. But the basic idea here is that Google can verify the legitimacy of content using this tool. It's kind of the basic idea. So one of the big problems that we as um, email users run into is spam. And this is kind of one of the lowest hanging fruit targets for for this, um, for this AI tool. So it, this is a bad example of something that wouldn't go through. But it's a, an example of the type of thing that did go through for a long time. So if you're if you have noticed over the years, let's say over the next or over the last like five years, that you've gotten less spam emails that just contain like all of that weird text and block of like congratulations you want a trip to wherever and it's got a bunch of weird formatting it's because google has actually done a good job so is yahoo and most other mail providers microsoft of, of um, filtering out those things. But something that really tricked it up was like, let's say the subject line of an email you got was congratulations on winning a trip to Dubai, whatever it is. Um, it would switch the O and congratulations with a zero. And just that little switch was enough to not trigger the spam detection tool on Google servers. Now, obviously that was something that they've overcome. It didn't take them long to identify that, but it's that kind of things, thing. Adding underscores in the middle of words, adding symbols and emojis, it would throw off these uh, machine learning algorithms for how to filter spam. Well, if we envision AI as nearly as intelligent as a human, it's easy for us to open an email and recognize it as spam. And that's because of our experiences. So you kind of feed AI those same experiences and now you have this opportunity to have it monitor your emails in a much more powerful way. Um, Another thing that it will be capable of doing though is helping verify the authenticity of businesses that are showing up in its search results. So going back to that email, I wanna verify that this website that I'm about to go to um, is legit Google's AI tools, as part of its search engine, can now say things like, "Hey, this website you're about to go to. Here's a couple of warnings that I see. You might want to look out for this." Um, and and it's not just going to be Google. It'll be plenty of third-party like browser plugins that we'll have access to in the coming years that are that are going to go much farther than. This website has out-of-date code, which could be a problem. This website doesn't have a security certificate. Or, you know, many people have landed on those websites where it says, um, this is an unsafe page, right? We're going to go a level beyond that with this technology and get to a point where we get warnings that are basically from your friendly tech that say, don't go here, yeah. This or, or if you're gonna go here, here's some things to check its legitimacy on before you get there, but one of the things I think I'm most excited about is the email filters. I would love to have uh, like a, an actual digital assistant that can intelligently filter things, A, to spam, but B, just summarizing stuff for me, like if I got five emails today to my personal Gmail account, and I don't need to read all five of them, but maybe one of them is something I'm kind of interested in. And it gives me an accurate summary of the things I care about. I think that that's... Yeah,
1: like if you asked a digital assistant, can you tell me about my important emails? And, you know, it ignores the three marketing emails, but then the email about your meeting with Ryan so we can discuss extra money is oh, like... Oh, that'll go right to the junk don't box. Don't forget about <laughs> that one.
0: So the, um, the idea of, of this tool, this open source tool, is to... Help, help us as consumers not only find the stuff that we're looking for. Help Ryan get his raise. Um, it helps protect us from the uh, vulnerabilities that we currently have as 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 people that are not educated on, on the internet. And, and that, right. that extends to us as tech professionals. There's things that we can fall for depending on how well-crafted it is. Um, but that will become less and less popular.
1: That's my biggest concern with AI, is that I'm so reliant on my ability to identify these things that if they ever make them Good enough to where you think that it's a legitimate thing. My brain's just gonna filter it as a yes because it every it passed every check that I'm used to looking for. Right. Yeah. In fact, terrifies me to think about.
0: We've been talking about this internally a bit. Um, We can't name our client in this case, but. We we work very closely uh, with a company who is being targeted right now for scams, and they have a uh, this company has somebody after them which knows how their internal workflows work, who works there, who works in what departments, um, what what they do, how how you know how they communicate with each other, and uh, as a target um, a they are more likely to fall for some of these traps that are like, hey, can you send me this God, whatever, this report, this financial report from, and it looks like it's coming from, let's say. Because it might match timing or yeah,
1: behavior.
0: Like, let's say it's coming from a manager and it's being requested from somebody in an accounting team, right? And they and those two people do regularly communicate with each right. other, and this hacker or, or bad actor knows that, uh, maybe from access to an email account or whatever. Um, we have to now train the client and all of their staff on be extra cautious, this is the things that you need to look out for a tool like this could make it way easier to right. identify those because there's giveaways in these emails, especially who the sender is right. on, on the legitimacy of the request. But to your point, those emails are so well crafted now. I mean, some of the examples that we'd seen recently don't have any spelling mistakes. They don't have uh, grammatical errors. They have signatures that are properly formatted. I mean, like, everything really looks good. Yeah. Um, are they AI written or is it just a very savvy person out to get them that can
1: speak English well? I
0: have no idea. And that's terrifying.
1: Either way, it it accomplishes the goal. Right. Or makes it easier to accomplish the goal.
0: So we're going to be, I think, very reliant on tools like this, especially the average computer user who's not constantly looking for red flags. Like We have this paranoia about us because of our industry that extends to our personal life. When we open an email on our phone, we treat it like we're... Talking to a customer, and we're opening yeah. an email for them and showing them what's legitimate, and what's not. So it's it's like in our DNA to look for these things, but it's not going to be for most people. And I think that's where these tools are really going to help make a difference. Right. So as far as the um, as far as this this tool is concerned in particular, Retvik, um, uh, it it it's very much in early stages. But the idea is that we will, as consumers, hopefully have access to this kind of thing very soon, which will improve our lives as uh, as you know internet users and email users and, and reducing the likelihood of getting spam and threats but it's going to be an ever evolving battle because as ai gets better at protecting us bad actors will use it to be malicious and right. so uh, you know we'll see where that road goes but at least we will have a good starting point in that um, these tools are going to be readily employed by companies like Google and Microsoft to, to help protect us very quickly. So um, continuing on the uh, AI topic, we're going to talk about the one you really wanted to get to. Um, what was that? What was that favorite topic of yours? That you said? I think Rob teed it up quite a bit for us today. Uh, money. You were like, you were like, this topic is one that I engage in a lot in personal time. I think something along those lines. <laughs> so uh, we're yeah. going to talk about we're going to talk about AI AI porn, right. but deep fakes in particular. So uh, Rob did send me this. He sent me a um, an article that was basically just talking about it getting worse. There's a there's a video attached with this woman who who does an interview and 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 the long story short of of her experience, which is sort of what prompted a lot of this article, is she had pictures on the internet like most of us do on a social media account. Right. Her face was taken along with images of her full body where, you know, she's clothed and everything. Um, And in in most cases, her face was put onto the body of another person in a porn video. Um, But in some cases, they used used AI technology to um, identify what a human looks like with clothing on. And then compares that to based
1: on their proportions, right? Or I mean, we have size, how tight their clothes I fit. Can't even imagine how many like
0: petabytes of data of porn exists My on the God. internet for free that you can just get. Now, if you're yes. training an AI tool, boy, that's a lot of content to look at, right? So if you're training an AI tool on this is what this porn actor looks like clothed. This is what they look like naked. Right. Here's how we're going to use this formula to put that together. And then now we can apply it to anybody. So we can just make anybody naked. Um, what's kind of messed up is that most of the tools that do this can't do men.
1: I, I saw that in the article. It was saying something about how Vice tried to upload a picture of a dude and it replaced his boxers with female genitals. Right, <laughs> right. It's like, oh, well, I guess... AI porn's not for women.
0: Yeah, or or that's <laughs> if that's your kink, you
1: know, <laughs> like perfect. <Right> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: great for you. Um, so okay, what what can you do about this? <sighs> not a lot. Nothing. Um, unfortunately, that's,
1: that's the tragedy. So, and, and there's not a lot of laws about it either. But there are things to to
0: consider. Um, one of the things that I think is the most terrifying about this, like if my face ended up as a porn actor. It'd probably have a way better looking body than I do, so I'd be like, "Yeah, that's me right on <laughs> you know, but I can imagine how obviously most people myself included would feel like a massive invasion of privacy sure. if my face or anybody that I know personally's face showed up on a
1: well AI generated oh uh, uh, imagine a, whatever industry you work in or how popular you are or what position you hold in that industry and somebody finds out right that, that could cost your job with no investigation totally yeah i mean uh,
0: i have this video of you i mean you're a school teacher yeah and you're oh god a school teacher of high school students who have access to this stuff yep and you're the good-looking uh, school teacher who they all want to see the porn of so they just make it yeah and then it leaks <laughs> and you've lost your job um that's terrifying right yeah. so i think that it at least if News of this technology becomes um commonplace. People know about it. It reduces the likelihood that a parent calls the principal's office and talks about this teacher that they
1: found porn of well that's and you know what's what's even worse about it is the extra layers that some people were going to the extra lengths people were going to, where they were adding personal information about the people on there yeah. like this is where this person grew up. Right. This is their hometown. This is who their best friend is. God, that's one. When it's all awful. stuff that's just
0: like we put this on our social media. Right. Which gets to really where my biggest concern is with this kind of thing is it, more than once this article um, discussed minors being yeah. used for this. Yes. And so, oh man. The people, who, the, the the groups and businesses who make tools Um, you know generally speaking they have good intentions and in this case it's so that people don't go to horny jail and uh, and they can make whatever they want and they can keep it to themselves and not put it up on the internet and I think that you know satisfying people's desires is one thing but man, that's a so slippery slope.
1: You, and you have to know that that's an outcome. Oh, of course. You have to know. I
0: mean, like if if you and I had like had a revelation, and we're developers, and we're like, oh my god, we we can do this thing. We can we can make AI porn with a click of a button for people, and and we can charge them, and we can make a ton of money off of this, and people will love it. I mean, obviously, one of the first thoughts that's going to go through our our minds, assuming that we're sane, is like, oh, should we? You know, God, how's this going to be used? Dude, what if somebody gets pictures of our kids? Yeah. Like, I, you know, I can see the money grab, right? And I get it. I get the reason why they, why they produce yeah. these tools. Um, but God, they, this, the stories that were there uh, on, the, on this article and many others of um, videos of, of children. Uh, being used to like basically like let's say your kid is is even like you know 15 and has their own little twitch channel or does live streaming on on instagram and shows their face you have,
1: a, you have a 10 minute vod that's hundreds of frames right
0: oh my god yeah even even i mean literally one a one minute video of somebody's face sure assuming that they're not just you know staying static like this the entire time you've got a perfect 3d yeah. you know uh you've model got 1800 to go off
1: frames of. at 30 fps right
0: every single one of those 1800 images is another data point for it to improve upon its accuracy of re-representing this person digitally. Um, and then you combine that with other available photos online and social media. So I guess m- my thing that I would probably want most people to take away from that kind of thing is um, if you have kids using a social media account, at
1: least make sure it needs to be private. It's private. It needs to be so private. It should
0: not be a public.
1: Nobody, account. Nobody should have any access to anything on it. Yeah, like unless they're invited to. If,
0: let's say you got like a you know again, fifteen year old who's got a Facebook account. Um, and they had there. There's ways to turn on on that account to say that I can only be found by friends of friends. Um, that's a pretty good way to do it. Is for for minors, if not even you know I can't be found, and then they have to request. Yep, they're these, the ones um, that add you. Even better way to do it, right? And, and same thing goes with most social media platforms. Um. And if, if they have a social media pl- platform that's public, just don't post real pictures of yourself. And I hate to say it, it's kind of the whole point of social media, but I mean, um, and again, kind of messed up. My my son, just being a boy, is not inherently the same target right. that you know uh, women are. Um, but I mean, even when he's old enough, he's 11 now, but w- if he decides he wants social media, which I'm gonna heavily advocate he stays away from, but if, he, but if he wants to when he's old enough, I'll let him, and I'm just going to make sure it stays um, private. And, and I'll make sure he knows about these things. It's going to require a conversation, which sucks that yeah. I even have to talk about it. Um, so d- just diving into this topic a little bit further, if you're one of the people who's into the idea of AI porn, there's plenty of it out there. Uh, what's crazy Fun is fact, that— in fact, it's apparently getting better. Right. It's not only getting better it's not only getting, well, yeah, like yesterday we said, AI porn is getting worse, <laughs> you know, and, and it is getting really bad, but it's getting very effective at, at, at portraying people. Right. So, um, there years ago, God, um, I want to say 15 years ago hmm. was when we started seeing some of the emergence of like really good Photoshop's, uh, where you'd see like, Let's take at the time like Friends was popular, so you get Jennifer Aniston's face on some porn star, and it's a very convincing picture. Sure. And I mean, you know, fifteen, even twenty years ago, that this was this was pop- popular and 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 cap it was capable of be becoming a problem. But images are one thing, and I think that we know that you know splicing somebody's face onto another image is is like, oh, that could that you could easily have been arguing for a long time. That's not me. Right. Um, especially with the whole body thing. But now we can get a few stills of your face and then, you know, a couple stills of your body and generate what is probably going to be a very convincing duplicate. Yeah. So um regulation on this is is going to be interesting because obviously celebrities and even non celebrities, like what this article talks about, this random woman named Helen, who just had a social media account. Yep. She was nobody special. She, I mean, not, not in the public's eyes, anyways, right? And um, she was targeted and she ended up in videos and, and tons of pictures. Um, and that's,
1: that's the other thing. Imagine, you know, her, her guy friend is the one that came to her and told her about it. It's like, hey, you know, I, I found these videos and images. Let's, well, how would you bring that up to your friend?
0: wow yeah
1: um how would you even approach good for her too for keeping him anonymous i
0: have (laughs) i I have friends that i have grown up with um that i know are would never ever ever consider doing porn right like even in the most desperate of times and like if it was one of those people what would my response be i think i'd probably send him a link
1: be like hey sorry to tell you this. There's a new throwaway Gmail account.
0: Right, I'd have to start with that, right? Because if I found that link, I stumbled across it somehow. And it probably wasn't because I was looking for ways to protect my friends. <laughs> so assuming I'm, I'm navigating the, uh, the corners of the internet and I stumble across that kind of thing, yeah, obviously I'd probably want to do it kind of anonymously. But if it was somebody who I thought, like, oh, that makes sense. Like, you know, she's been into that forever. Or he, he, he was even saying that he was probably going to choose that as a career path. That's funny that I found it. What if it isn't them though? And I'm not sure like, oh God, I don't know how I would handle that. Like I have one, one friend in mind who I could see, um, possibly, possibly actually doing porn as a living. And I don't know. I don't know how I would handle it if I if if I was told about it like if somebody messaged me and was like, "Dude, can you believe that this is out there?" I don't know. I I would feel inclined to say something. Right? But, but
1: it's tough, tough. like Man, okay, be before awful. this,
0: before AI generated porn was as much of a concern, I think it'd be easy just to be like, "I'm not going to say anything right but now it's like well god if they if they're not doing it for a living i don't know right
1: so i stuck in that weird sort of do i am i breaching their privacy or am i helping them uh, with something they don't know about terrible and either one can be a a violently different outcome (laughs) imagine if we just didn't consume porn that sounds awful (laughs) that's that's the only way to make this timeline worse
0: <laughs> so um, when it, yeah, when it comes to this technology in general, there are uh, there are some pretty amazing things that this same technology is being used for. In fact, Kiss just recently—I haven't gone into the details of it—but the band Kiss oh, yeah. just recently said like, "Yeah, we're done." That you know? was
1: their last final. Yeah, um, we're done doing shows. Live performance.
0: We're done doing shows. We're old. You know, we're ready to retire. But there's this digital representation of us that will yeah. we'll, that will continue on. And one of the things I really love about that is that if they don't have the physical capacity to keep doing these presentations, and but they do have the um, energy and ambition to keep writing music, they can go into a studio, write some music, and then have AI generate some cool...
1: Especially if they can consciously give their consent to it. Right, they're which not, is what they've done. They, they're not dead and mm-hmm. some company owns the rights right, to them right. and against their family's wishes, they're mm-hmm. doing it.
0: Bruce Willis was another one. Uh, he, he, when he was in his very early stages of cognitive decline, yeah. um, he consciously said, I'd be fine, you know, use my likelihood right. or my, 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 like, my likeness to, um, to generate AI content of me, whether it's my voice or my face or whatever, yeah. and cut me my check. As long as I'm getting paid for it, you know, uh, great, and you know, good for him if if right. he's still making some inco- uh, income on fresh content. Which I don't know that we're at that point as um, and, and if, as far as the entertainment industry. If it's at that point where it requires. So much desperation of fresh actors that they would be willing to invest all of the money necessary to generate an AI version of Bruce Willis for some action flick. But if they wanted to do like a, a Die Hard, what are we on? Five? It was what would I think it would be at this point? If we we're going to do a new Die it. Hard flick. Um, and we wanted to say, okay, you know, it's Bruce Willis's son again. I'm pretty sure he was in the last one. Uh, and we wanted to have like a cameo. Okay, that makes sense. Now we have his likeness, he gets paid for it. Um, I think that's really cool. Um, but it, anyway, as far as this technology is concerned, it can go it pretty. Gets-
1: could you imagine if in fifty years every new movie that comes out is an AI generated actor from the early two thousands? Nobody, nobody can act anymore. No new actors. Just it's just all the same people.
0: There's there's, <laughs> oh man, I like so AI script writing right now is is good in the sense that it's impressive, but not great in its um, entertainment value yet. Um, but it's it's not far off. I mean, like it's not going to write something. I, I don't think as Fantastical and creative as like George R. R. Martin might. Sure. Um, his stories go through like crazy loops that people don't expect. And I think that AI writing is a little bit more predictable. Even when you tell it to not be predictable, it's like it's. Um, I, well, that's that'd be a whole the whole side conversation. But I, I think that the story writing is developing in a good way. It's getting it's it's gaining momentum. <clears throat> but AI generated videos are right now really sloppy. I oh, mean yeah. like uh, you can take really small components of them. Um a great tool I just saw that Adobe released is pretty impressive. It's not perfect, but it's good. Um they have this demo of a guy, it's they're they're, they're filming um like B-roll. Like s- something that you might sell as stock footage so that you can put it into your commercial or whatever. So it's a video of a guy walking down some stairs in front of a building outside. And he's wearing a suit, but he doesn't have a tie on. And uh, Adobe has this function in Premiere now where you can like highlight where a tie would go and you say, add a tie, you know, make him wearing a tie. And then it regenerates every frame of that short bit of footage right. to put a tie in. And the tie like moves with him and like the glint of light comes off of the tie the right way and it looks really convincing. Cool. Um, and, Like if you zoom in and you like, pixel check you know it's not quite perfect but for a short glance at a video no one would ever know to look at that tie in the first place so
1: or somebody consuming short format videos quickly just scrolling through
0: right Uh, yeah absolutely and so for um edits to videos it is useful now i mean there are editors who can speed up their process right now but for generating content from scratch especially something like ai porn that is um, a massive undertaking. There's a lot to do there. I mean, the way that the human body contorts and moves. I guess, you know what, I I, I wish that I could say honestly that I've seen AI porn before this because it would make me feel more educated <laughs> in the topic. You know
1: what's funny is that that article had a list of apps and I was like, ah, oh, is $40 worth getting a video oh, of funny. Kevin to mess with people? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! And the the short answer to that is yes.
0: Yes, um, <laughs> that is not A- HR sanctioned. But um,
1: I uh could I didn't I don't I don't want that. Tool well, on I my I
0: phone. was th- I was thinking before the show like I oh, man I wish I would th- that there was like an easy link of some um uh what well, God what's the right way to say this uh acceptable form of AI porn where it's not somebody who whose face was taken without their consent you know uh it was something that like was generated. And, and um, with with nobody being harmed, like, let's say that I knew that was out there. I would be very
1: interested to see how you it wish works. that there was a, a, a university article. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and, and mostly because one of the things that's never convinced me about any any computer generated person that I've ever seen name the movie. There's no exception I've ever felt is mouth movement. I've never felt like any CG has ever nailed perfectly mouth movement. I don't know why I feel like eyes are great and there's other people that disagree with me. They think mouth is really mouths are really good and eyes are where they fall dead. Um, But I look at people's mouths when they talk, it's like where I'm drawn. And so mouth movement and mouth shape is something that it's really hard to get right. There's a lot of muscles there. And I've just, I've never seen one that I was like, I am fully convinced I'm fooled. And as good as like uh, that Will Smith movie that came out recently where the younger version of him, Um, God, I forget what it was called, but he he was basically fighting a younger version of himself, and he's this like really uh, prolific, like uh, hitman kind of thing. Mm. And uh, the young version of his face was incredible, especially the still shots. But whenever he spoke, all that mouth movement threw me off. Anyway, that said, I've never been convinced completely by mouth movement, but not that I know of. You know, uh, sure. Maybe I was fooled, and I don't know. But um, I feel like body contortment is even crazier so if ai porn is somebody else's body with somebody else's face stitched on it i could see that looking real but if you generated the entire thing an entire body that sounds
1: all i can picture is all of the ai generated images where hands look like this oh god <laughs> you know? i know I'm like A three, oh, I three can't and six fingered hands yeah i can't imagine the it's funny
0: i was actually i was uh, and enjoying this theme that's been going on with chat GPT recently where people are generating images of something that is more than, so they're like, all right, make, make me a picture of a dad being a wholesome dad. And then it's like make him more wholesome and make him more wholesome and more wholesome. And it keeps on tweaking these images. And they're funny because they almost always end with like the universe. Like no matter how many times you do it, they end up in like a black hole or something like infinitely wholesome. It's like, it's a black hole. Um, But there's one of the ones I did was I I generated an image of like a wizard holding like this electric ball of energy and he's in a forest. And then I say, make him more wizardry or wizardy or whatever it was, some made up word. And then the second image it made, he had three arms. And I was like, "Well, for a wizard, that's kind of cool." Guess. Like, yeah, I guess. But I don't think that's what you were going <laughs> two, for. Two wands and a spellbook, <laughs> <Yeah>, basically. <laughs> yeah. So it's still, you know, it's still not like very intelligent, but it's getting there. It's getting pretty good. Um, so uh, t- talking about convincing AI, um, one of the things I wanted to show off today was a tool that was. Uh, this is actually from Meta, which is the same company that owns uh, Facebook, Facebook and Oculus and Instagram and I'm sure they have a million other companies under their, under their belt, but um, Meta has an AI language changing tool. And I'm fairly certain the name of it is called, it's Seamless Expressive, that's the name of it. And um, it's not, it, I, had, I had a tool that I'd shown before where this AI um, video analyzer and voice analyzer could take your face and make it look like you're speaking a different language and change your voice. So, like, if I said, hello, in English, my mouth moves a certain way, and if I say, hola, in Spanish, like, it moves slightly different. Like, you can tell those differences. And if I'm saying full sentences, it's very distracting. Like, I, I specifically choose to watch movies, like, on Netflix that are in other languages in the native language with subtitles because I just can't stand like not watching the the mouth movement sync up to the person's voice. Maybe that's because of what I was just talking about. Like I'm <clears throat> I regularly look at people's mouths when they're talking. There was this show that I just watched recently on, I think it was Netflix called Ragnarok. And um, they are, they're speaking um, uh, Norwegian language of some kind I forget. And uh, I think we've got through like two minutes of the first episode where I realized like, Oh wait, no, this is, Like I started looking at them and I was like, this is not an English show. This is, this isn't a different language. Let's switch it. And it was so much better, mostly because you captured the emotion of the person that was speaking so, so well, like we emphasize words in English that if you emphasize those same words in Spanish, you might not only not emphasize the same
1: words, you You might might, be conveying information differently, right?
0: You could be saying completely the wrong thing, like in in Spanish, a lot of concepts are sort of flipped. We, re- we reverse a lot of things. Um, and so that said, like, when you when you emphasize a, a thing at the end of a sentence, you know, it sounds like a question in a lot of cases, right? So anyway, to, to make language sound natural in another language, you not only have to say the words correctly, you have to get the emphasis right, the pausing and all of that. So let's say that we got to that point where... You could take this 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 show that's in, um, you know, let's say it's in Thai. This a, can be a complicated language to translate to and from from English, and you can convincingly make the actor's mouth move like they're speaking English, but use their voice, their emphasis, their tone on the right words to convince us as English speakers that everything that they're acting out makes sense. Right. <clears throat> I think we're a ways away from that, but this tool is a pretty cool first step. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a video here in a second. Let me switch over to this uh, different scene so you guys can see this here. So this is one that's in Spanish. Ryan, I'll get to hear it. I forgot to show you the video. So the video doesn't matter as much anyway because. Um, we are looking at a, uh, a video of me saying a phrase in English and the video is still me saying it in English. And again, it didn't change my, the words of, of my mouth. Uh, but it changed, it changed my language and it used my voice, my, my own Ian's weird way of speaking to say these things in different languages. So here's the first one. This one's in, in Spanish. So glad you are here. I'm so happy to see you. Me alegra mucho que estés aquí. Me alegra mucho verte.
1: Did it sound like me? It sounded robotic. You. A
0: little bit, right? Yeah. yeah that was done in like two seconds. Wow. Um, so I, there, there's clipping. There's um, audio performance issues. It's really degraded quality audio. Yeah. But it was my voice. Yeah. For right? sure. Here's another one. This one is. Uh, this one's in French. Please hurry up. I don't want to be late again. S'il te plaît, dépêche-toi. Oh, oh, oh. This sounds like me, though, right? Yeah. I want to do the Spanish one one more time. Hold on. So glad you are here. I'm so happy to see you. Me alegra mucho que estés aquí. Me alegra mucho verte. That sounds like me. Yeah. So I don't speak Spanish very well but I tried to say that phrase yesterday and I've <clears throat> I've always been sort of proud of my ability to read a word in Spanish and enunciate it relatively well to just to just to like make sure that it doesn't sound like a completely different word I'm not great at it but I'm good enough I can get by I tried to do that yesterday and I could not pronounce some of those words as well as it did um, but the thing that I, I'm really curious if there's any if there's any Spanish speaking listeners. If you heard that, I'm really curious to hear what your take is. Email, uh, RID at redradio.com. I'm really curious to hear what your take is on the quality of that translation. I I know it wasn't like the easiest thing to hear. um, And I think that maybe is how they skate by with imperfection, which is that the quality of the audio is degraded quite a bit. But it is absolutely capturing the essence of Ian's voice. In in my opinion, I that sounded like me. Like if, if if that was played back to me ten years from now and I forgot about this whole thing, I could be convinced that like, wow, did I speak Spanish that well at that time? I must have been really practiced.
1: I would imagine that as with most other uh, large language models, that as you feed it more information mm-hmm. and more examples of your voice, it will really nail down that that Ian sound. Right. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, I agree. I want to play that Spanish one one more time. I really want to hear it again. I, I haven't heard him since yesterday. I want to play this one more time. Even like my voice, this one. So glad you are here. I'm so happy to see you. Cause yeah, it's bad audio quality. Yeah. So that said, me alegra mucho que estés aquí. Me alegra mucho verte. That's pretty damn good. Anyway, I so I what I really love is that we, there's already technology that can modify your mouth movement to convince the people watching you that you're speaking another language. Now that we've gotten to a point where we're capturing the essence of somebody's voice so well without using a voice actor, sorry for voice actors. um, And ideally capturing emphasis on words and phrases. um, I, I think that we, you know, we're so close to seeing like maybe, maybe within months, probably a year or two away from like major Hollywood, um, Uh, video movies, uh, uh, short films using this technology to produce content in every language. I think that's really cool. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, as as somebody who likes watching movies in in other languages with subtitles on, I'm not sure if I'll be happy to listen to it in English, even if it's a convincing.
1: Change at least not until it stops being so robotic.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that is that I think the only reason that that is robotic is because it was a like a free sample, sure, and made it made a process. They're not going to put
1: the highest quality, no, yeah, I mean,
0: they're they're that's nothing. I'm sure if they put any bit of server work into that, it would sound perfect. Um, but I, I, the thing that would make me apprehensive to watch a movie in English that that was intended to be in another language would be that, like, the sole of the performance is gone because you're, you're not getting that person anymore. But if it isn't, if it's captured that uh, well.
1: It's terrible to say the phrase, I know. AI captured the soul of the performance. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, man. I mean, I, just, I think it's going to get there. I,
1: I'm really eager to see how
0: I feel about it because I'm a, a super harsh critic when it comes to. Mouths mouth movement and and like convincing ai and convincing cg there's a lot of people who are like oh my god that looks so real and i'm like well it looks good it's not real like i can tell it's not it's it, maybe it's not uncanny valley bad but it's not real so it, in the next couple of years i'm i'm very excited to see where it goes because i'd love to be tricked i'd love to be convinced of of something like that i mean i think i don't know maybe when the time comes like freak me out a little bit so, um, speaking of things that freak me out, serial killers. Um, one of the things that <laughs> we... They're uh, bad. Yeah, those are bad guys. Uh, this, isn't, this didn't really start as like an AI news thing, but NBC recently reported that there was, there was a, a guy, without going too in-depth into the report, he was captured. Um, he, was a, he hasn't been convicted yet, so uh, but he's expected to be a serial killer who was caught. Um, and part of the, the way that he was caught was, first off, a human... A police officer presumably has added his license plate of his vehicle into a database of uh, vehicles to look out for now I don't recall the reason for that I I don't believe that the reason for it was he was already a suspected criminal for these killings Um, I could be wrong but either way what's more important here from a technical perspective is that his license plate was put in a database of license plates to be observant of and there's these cameras around many major cities and the the amount of cities is growing. Um, They're just at like intersections and in parking lots and um, on freeways. And they read the license plate of every single vehicle that drives by, records the time, and stores that information. And in this case, um, that data was used to catch this guy. Um, Now, if you have concerns about privacy, those are obviously valid. you know, with where you're driving being recorded by the government, the government being, of course, the most trusted uh, organization
1: on the planet. Nobody uh, bad works for the government. Nobody bad works for the government
0: at all. Um, but let's just say that uh, we had two options here. You said this earlier. Uh, it w- one of the options is we find a fifth body from the serial killer, uh, the other being that we use invasive, find potentially invasive technology to killer. find this guy, right? Um, I'm in favor of finding the serial killer in those two two uh, areas. But um, there is a, a an AI-related concern with privacy here because right now that data is being used in a very elementary way, which is here is a license plate to be observant of. Let us know when it comes up. Yep. See it, say it. Yep, that's it. Real basic. Um, or, or let's l- take it just a, a little bit higher degree. There were four serial killings. Here were the times, and here were the neighborhoods. Go through the database and look for any license plate that was in each of those neighborhoods a- at those times. Right now, that doesn't require AI. That's mm-hmm. very basic. Not even machine learning. That's just a good query of a database that's just like sifting through a database Uh, it's not complicated like we could write that query and get a result um ai however would take this to the step of there have been four unrelated crimes in these different neighborhoods and there is only one license plate which was at each of those neighborhoods at these given times. So maybe one of them was a robbery. One of them was a uh, carjacking. One of them was uh, breaking and entering. One of them was a murder. Whatever, you know, or, or make them all, I uh, may make, make them all, uh, you know, commercial low grade robberies, broke a window, smash, smash and grabs, right? And they're just all over the city. I mean, that happens all the time. Every night there's businesses getting broken into in every single city mm-hmm. that are smash and grabs, right? Well, if all of those reported crimes fall into a database and we have cameras that are sifting through in an intelligent way, all of the available video evidence, I mean, go beyond even uh, license plate, but facial recognition. Um, Now we get to pretty quickly like minority report level concern.
1: Did you hear about the MGM theater, I think it was? There was some lady who worked at a, a law office not even on the case against the parent company of the theater went to take her daughter in for something and was flagged by facial right. recognition immediately and kicked out.
0: I, um, yes, I, in fact, there's another uh, thing that I read recently was, um, it was not yet an AMA on, on Reddit. So like an ask me anything, mm-hmm. which is where like a, a, a person of a certain like pedigree or popularity, uh, can be asked anything and they answer any question. Um, But it was a guy who worked at a casino and he was, uh, he explained how on the security floor of the casino or in the security room of the casino, um, it is what they hype up in movies. It's a dark room with tons of monitors and they, they have like the way he explained it was cameras that can zoom in and see the dirt under a fingernail from 60 feet away. And so, that, but one of the first things that they do is if you're working security in a casino and you're, and you're um, doing like digital surveillance type security, you get trained on how to cheat. Like highly detailed training on how to cheat in a casino. And there's this sort of black book that is spread not only between casinos and private businesses in the U.S., but across the planet where any major casino is, that if you walk into that place, their tools will recognize your face. Security will come, basically say like, hey, we know who you are. You I can't, believe. can't gamble here. Or you could be there, you just can't gamble. Yeah. And so he, he mentioned how it was like eight years after he'd quit the industry, he walked into a casino in another country and security just came up and was like, hey, what's up? And they greeted him by name. And, and it's like kind of, we know who you are, you know? Terrifying. We know what you know, right? And that was actually, to me, when when it, when I was reading this guy's story about that, um, one of the things that I think clicked for that makes sense that that is a reality today. Yeah, we, I think, as consumers and uh, a- American um, citizens, can understand that that these private businesses don't want to be taken advantage of, so they've employed a technology that protects them, which is maybe violating your privacy, maybe, but you're in their business.
1: Right. Right. So, well, in in his specific scenario, I imagine he would have had to agree to that. of course. Before yeah. even being, you don't get the job. Brought on, yeah. of course.
0: Yeah, and and so it, for him, his perspective of this wasn't. I'm concerned that this right. is happening to me. It's just this is a world that a lot of people don't know about, and um, really interesting read. And that kind of sent me down this rabbit hole of like casino security and and
1: how that all works. And well, it is If you're googling that, I have bad news for you. When they. Oh, I know, right? Pull, yeah, pull yeah. Your yeah. search how history. To cheat. Yeah.
0: So, um, <laughs> the the takeaway I had from that was that guy currently feels. Based on the way he's explaining, it, he kind of feels um, he's being watched at all times at a casino, right, and he feels fine with it because he knows why, but he also knows like there's nothing that goes on on a casino floor that you get away with, no matter what like it just doesn't happen you't can't, you can't scratch an itch without somebody noticing it right and that's crazy to me that it's like that. I mean, it makes sense, but it, I just would have never considered it be like what it really the, what they paint behind the scenes in movies. Um, so imagine that. You're one of those people who walks into a casino and they know you by name. Now, expand that to every single place you go in public all the time. You walked into Walgreens and the guy behind the counter is like, hey, what's up, Brian? How you doing today? Hate that. Hate it. I don't like it either. Um, There's not currently any regulations that prohibit it. It's not, you know, like that specific thing is if this private company decides to use a facial recognition database, which is legally available to them, to recognize the people walking into their business. There's nothing illegal about that, and right now. All they
1: now. need is a sign right on the front door that says yep. something about it. Right, you're not. It's not illegal. So you were, you were told about it.
0: I'm really glad this serial
1: killer got caught. Me too.
0: And I. It was even more impressive that it wasn't with an actual AI tool, but rather basic technology that's just being used well. I mean, well in the sense that it was effective. Right. Um, but I don't think that we are far at all from law enforcement really wanting to get their hands on this. Sure. And I, I have that same, I think, uh, debate that a lot of people do, which is uh, I don't know what's right there. I mean, it, I like the idea of criminals being caught. I love that. I think that's great. Cool. Uh, if that makes the world a safer place, awesome. I really don't want the guy at Walgreens to greet me by name. Nope. <laughs> and 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 I don't I don't really want there to be a database of all of my travels. Uh, not that I'm doing anything that I want to hide, but it it's makes it so uncomfortable. much uncomfortable. Well, it's uncomfortable, but it also makes it so much easier for a person with malicious intent to choose a victim. Sure. I mean, if. Again, not every person vetted or otherwise that works for an agency that has access to this information is the best person.
1: Or let's say you're let's say AI is looking for the guy who was driving around during all of those those events, you know, and and the guy they're looking for was on a bike. But they see they see Ian Reader's license plate on every one of those. (laughs) <laughs> and they they want to ask you about where you went and what you were doing at these and the uh, at this time, and you you don't remember or you remember events slightly differently, but you're totally let's you're still totally innocent in this, but now it looks like you're a fuck you're lying you yeah know? you're <laughs> you're you're being dishonest or you're trying to obfuscate it. I
0: was actually I realized recently that um there's a lot of social media posts that exist with my license plate on it. And it's not that hard to find, you know, like if you know where I work, you could find out my license plate. Um I've talked about it. Mm. I have a new one coming in uh that I ordered in like February, which is taking forever.
1: Do you keep the old one by the way? Yeah, you get to keep it. Yeah. yeah.
0: I could even reclaim it. That's um good. and I I was thinking like, well, <sighs> there's not a lot of people who drive around with my exact same car, so it'd be a harder one to like just throw the license plate on and be a convincing right. that's Ian driving around. But I mean, if you drive No, God, a white Tesla Model 3 or a white Toyota Corolla um, and somebody sees that another Toyota Corolla is rolling with your license plate and they just print a fake. God, it's terrifying, especially if we're recording the location of every time your car is somewhere and somebody is, you know, acting like they're you um, and there's nothing else to like. If we're not employing some facial recognition along with that, now you now you almost want the facial recognition to say that wasn't me.
1: That's that's why I'm waiting for those digital license plates that they approved. Oh yeah. To, to start getting cracked and spoofed and having people oh, set God. custom plate numbers and stuff because it, it's it's only a matter of time. Come on,
0: you can do it now. I mean, Re- Reviver is the company that makes those plates. I'd considered them, but they're stupid expensive. They're yeah, like eight hundred yeah. bucks. Um and they're, they're cool, but, yeah, they are definitely an attack vector. And they track your location, oh, which good. is another thing. Like, yeah, I'm not – Yeah, it's a whole other topic. So, anyway, plenty of AI talk today. Uh, lot Lots of AI um, news is going to continue coming in. We're going to talk more about it. Today's are just kind of crazy stuff. AI porn, AI catching criminals, but with the potential issue of, of – uh, You know your privacy at stake Um, and then the one I'm really excited about is I and I'll keep I'll keep up-to-date on this as Google's AI spam detection tool improves Um, I'm really curious to see if I can get it in an actual demo and show what it's capable of but we're kind of waiting to let it get to that point that would probably be a month or so Um, so a couple other uh, questions that came in that I I wanted to go over to we're gonna close this, to close today's show out with a couple of listener questions. So one of them is from Ben. He says, um, I have my printer on my IoT network. We'll go back to that in a second. Uh, I have to change the internet every time I wanna use it. Should I have the printer on the main network or is there a setting to make it accessible from my phone without changing the network? Um, so just to explain what he's asking a little bit is I have suggested multiple times during the show that you have your IoT devices, Internet of Things devices, for the most part that's anything that's not a computer to be on a separate wi-fi network because generally speaking those devices have a l- less quality uh wi-fi security they become a, an attack vector or a vulnerability for a person to be out inside of out in front of your house and and gain access to your wi-fi network and if it's the wi-fi network that has your computers then that obviously becomes concerning um i've also said that it is very low likelihood for this to actually happen to you, but it is great security practice if you have a concern, Um, especially if you're a business. I would say that if it's a business Wi-Fi network, you really do want to be conscious of this because it's easy for somebody to park in a parking lot, a public parking lot, especially at a retail center, where there's 10 business um, Wi-Fi networks available, and those those are usually the place where there's more value anyway rather than somebody's personal computer. So Ben, assuming that this is at your house um, you know if your printer is any bit of new and it rec- and it receives software updates, just put it on your primary network i I really wouldn't worry too much about that um, if it's an HP or a brother or or any main you know uh, name brand printer, it's probably going to get firmware updates and along with those firmware updates are typically security patches is it still a vulnerability yeah technically but not really much more than your computer um it it it, it, it's really my concern with iot devices are the low budget smart home devices that you buy on amazon the the you know the the ten dollar wi-fi plug um with with a name brand you've never heard of before those are the things i'd be more concerned about um, otherwise, when it comes to like major name brand companies, they typically will do software patching for their devices, and a printer is a great example of one that will typically get a, a, an update. Um, so I would say you can probably take that off of your IoT network, switch it to your main network, and uh, reduce the security concern a little bit. Um, if it's out of business and you're concerned about this, there are technical ways to allow communication between those two networks which doesn't create a vulnerability like obviously if if the point is to have two separate networks one is more secure one is less secure um, and then you allow them to communicate with each other that seems like it would create an issue but there is actually a way to allow them to cross communicate without creating a vulnerability
1: uh, there are some other modern features that some printers have not all um, things like eprint so you can email a right. document to a printer so you can keep it entirely secure and separate on a different network again not that yeah most that's a good point attack it but then you also have you're, you're kind of opening yourself up to something different let's say a disgruntled employee has that <laughs> has that email it doesn't matter what network you have it on. They can email full black pages to you and ruin, oh. you know, d- just run out your toner or black ink. You know, so it's 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 all <laughs> so messed up. It's a it's that matter of convenience. You know, there's also there's really nothing wrong with switching over your network for thirty seconds to shoot a print job. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. convenient but
0: it comes down it, to what the necessity of security right. is in in your
1: environment. Really,
0: is is the answer. Um, so, but if it is a business and you find yourself doing this a lot, um, you can reach out to us and, and we'll help you. with. There, there are ways, depending on the router that you have, <clears throat> to, again, allow a little bit of cross-communication between those networks that doesn't create a vulnerability and allows you to print uh, from your printers. It's kind of like a one-way communication. You can just send data is, is, is one way to think of it. Um, but great question. <clears throat> one other question that I had was, uh, I got a question from Michelle. She said, I have a couple of old computers and I feel like I've gotten all the information off of them. How do I discard of them? This is very, very common. We probably get this call a couple of times a day. Um, how do I make sure nobody can get my information off of them? They're taking up some space because I, and because I don't know how to get rid of them properly and safely. Okay, <clears throat> so well, there's the
1: fun way, and then there's the technical way. Yeah, there's
0: the fun way. I'm gonna start with the fun way. Um, let's just uh, say it's a desktop, and you have enough savvy to open the side panel of it. And you know what a hard drive looks like. You could Google it. What's a hard drive look like? You'll find it. It generally speaking is you pretty good. You could
1: easy use Google identify. Lens and point your camera at it and you can it use will tell you.
0: Chat GPT. Yeah. And same thing. Point a picture, of, take a picture of it and it'll tell you what it is. What am I looking at? Good call. Um, anyway, this is the fun way it's take the hard drive out beat it to death with a hammer nobody's going to get the data off of
1: that's that. also the technical way <laughs>
0: that is <laughs> uh, that is the first step of the technical way uh one of the best ways for us to uh secure a customer's data of making sure nobody can ever get it is to just put a drill straight through the drive the uh the hard drive mechanical hard drives anyway um mechanical hard drives are an older technology now you can still buy them uh many many new ones are sold for different reasons but mechanical hard drives store data on a metal disc. It looks like a, a, a small C D made out of metal. It's the easiest way to explain it. And um, as long as that it's a very it's a very fragile material. It's it's um It's it,
1: crazy how they shatter.
0: It shatters like glass. Yeah. Right. Um so anyway, once it's shattered, it's it's destroyed. You're not gonna get the data off. Um there's people who would be like, well, you could get it to the NSA and they okay, well, if that's a concern, Whatever. you got a different issues. Yeah. Um but that's not gonna happen. So break the hard drive that's the easiest way to make sure that your data is is gone um uh, one of the things that we'll do if somebody says uh, can you wipe the data off of this i want to give it to somebody yeah i want to give it to my donated. my nephew and i don't want them to have any of the, you know potentially even be able to recover any of the stuff that was on there um i think d is still free d is still free um D-band,
1: windows has it built into it since windows 10 though not, oh, i didn't even know that D-band, okay but it will do what's called a, a, a clean of your drive so
0: when you wipe a hard drive normally what people think of is formatting And when you format a drive, all you're doing is you're kind of relabeling the drive. That's really the easiest way to think of it. You're kind of relabeling everything that's on it. Um, Even when you delete a file and you empty it from your recycle bin, all that's happened is that your drive has marked the sector where the file was stored. That you can write to it again. Yeah, that you can overwrite it. It's been marked for deletion. It does not mean it's gone. So when you delete a file and you delete it from the recycle bin, it is still absolutely on your hard drive and we can get it back. Until it's been overwritten, and when it's overwritten it is kind of hard to say. It depends right. on how you're writing data. So um, what we do is we do a, a, we use a tool which. Writes ones because you store ones and zeros on a drive. That's all you can do. It writes uh, ones across the drive, and then it writes zeros, and it just does it repetitively to make sure that the magnetic components of that drive
1: can't be restored, and the I data. Think what, like seven passes is yeah, the secure like amount, yeah, or like
0: three is normal, seven is like right. high security. So um, anyway, th- th- there's some some ideas of like how this how this works. Uh, as far as getting rid of them, um, it depends on where you live. Uh, in the Sacramento and Northern California area, there are quite a few businesses out here that I'm well aware of that will come out in many cases, even pick stuff up from you for free. Um, and then there's other ones where, uh, they'll charge you a small amount to go do it. There's places where you can go do a drop off. They're called e-waste recycling companies. Um, a company in the Northern California area that we have used quite a lot over the years is Tri-Valley Recycling. Um... I, I won't tell you that they're, they're great or they're bad or they're good. They're a company that's available. They've worked fine for us in the past, but we haven't used them in a while either, but I would just recommend same thing as I started this whole show off with find a uh, company that you feel good about, um, you know, doing, doing business with, make sure that they have contact information. Also a, a legitimate e-waster will have licensing information on their website. Sure. Cause I think they,
1: there are a few times that I've, I've looked and there are, uh... God, I don't know if they even still do this, but I I've, I've gone to a couple of different storage places where they'll do a a weekend where they just oh, take yeah. e-waste from people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff comes up. Yeah, you could you can do a quick search for that, like free e-waste events in your in your right. area. Yeah. And if you're in Reno or or in a different area, um, yeah, same thing. Just just searching for e-waste businesses is what they're called that'll take a computer for you. Um, and then if you're not in a position to feel comfortable removing the hard drive, let's say it's a laptop. Um, maybe it doesn't even have a standard mechanical hard drive, or the hard drive, God forbid, is embedded into the logic board of a MacBook. You know, you can't take the hard drive out and destroy it. Um, at that point, I would highly recommend you go to a computer repair company right. because uh, if you go to a recycler, I would never. T- assume that a recycler has malicious intent but you are giving them your data yeah a computer repair company is getting your data too but they're getting the data from they're 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 getting your computer with your data with the intention of wiping
1: it. well i was gonna say and what's the difference right the e-waste company is usually taking it for free Mm -hmm. where are they making their money Mm -hmm. if we're charging for a service it's clear where we're making our money by providing the service that you requested we're gonna
0: charge you to wipe that drive right
1: Um, but that other that e-waste company might make sure your computer turns on reset it, and sell it. Right,
0: absolutely. Yeah, so the whole point behind, and and again, a big part of this comes to the reputation of a business and your general trust of who you work with there. You know, if you walk in and you have a bad interaction and a bad feeling about it, there's plenty of businesses who do this kind of thing. So um, if you're not sure... Uh, or, or you have a question about who you're going to go with, you can feel free to email, uh, again, you know, rad at radradio.com. Um, I, I monitor that mailbox. They'll also send it to me if it's during their show or after hours. And if you have any additional questions, I'm more than happy to answer them for you. Um, and uh, And on that note, as we get closer to the holiday, if you guys have questions on products that you're not sure about, that's one thing I'd love to help you with. If you're like, hey, there's this, there's this thing I'm thinking about buying. Do you think it's any good? Or is there, is there potentially some safety concerns here? Um, if you're not sure before you buy it, don't buy Walmart brand gaming. <laughs> yeah, God! Please don't buy Walmart brand gaming <laughs> <laughs> computers. <laughs> um, I just got one email in right, right here at the end. I'll, I'll, I'll read this real quick here. He says, uh, "My husband is getting a gaming computer, a big old dinosaur okay, of a I thing. It's not from Walmart. I know, right? Yeah." He got, he got it from a neighbor we once had who built them for fun. Okay, uh, it runs, but I'd love to pretty it up and make it less of a dinosaur. Do you guys do anything? Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Together. Yeah. Um, so we do free diagnostics in our offices. You can bring a computer like that in, and we give you... That's kind of the first thing that we do is when you bring something into us, we just give you options. So we'd say something like, well, you know, if you want to go all out, here's like... Here's the most you can spend on this, if you wanted to go nuts. And then here's like kind of the minimum if you just wanted to tune it up a little bit. And we'll give you that, that variety option to see what direction you wanna go with it. Um, but I, how old is your case that you're using in your computer right now?
1: Uh, I just built mine in February of last Did year. Did you, you got a new case? I got a new case.
0: So I held the same case at one point for like eight years. Um, I think it was my previous one was like six. Yeah. So, and, and, and many times we've done upgrades. We keep our hard drive. We keep, we keep our memory. We keep, um, uh, cables and power supplies and we kind of upgrade core components. Other times we're just upgrading a single small part.
1: I still have beige DVD drives. Hell yeah. (laughs) In a box that plug in with an IDE cable. Yeah, set it on. I'll never use it again.
0: <laughs> Set it on top of your case that there's no CD drive right. for anymore. Um, but yeah, that said, yeah, upgrading computers is absolutely a thing, and 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 not only do we do it, it's not incredibly complicated to do, right. um, and there's tons of options there. So yeah, great question. Um, going back to my point, if you if you if you have questions about you know again products, feel free to email them in. I'd love to review them for you and tell you about it. And and also if you're like ah, I don't want to wait till Tuesday. I'll shoot you an email back right away. I'll send you an email same day. I'll let you know what I think of it if I have any concerns and then I'll just talk about it on the show as well. So if you're not sure, feel free to reach out to me directly, ian at tech 2 as well. Um, that's all I got for you guys this week. I appreciate y'all for hanging out and we will see you next Tuesday. See ya.